Hey everyone, welcome back to the Monclova Baptist Church podcast. We're thankful that you joined us today. Hey, if you would do us a favor at the end of this episode, make sure that you follow us on our social, Instagram and Facebook, and subscribe to our YouTube channel and hit that bell button so that you get notified every time that we post new content. If you also want to stay connected with us beyond Sunday morning, make sure that you download the MRBC app on the Google Play Store or the App Store. Now let's dive in. We're going through the book of Revelation a little bit different maybe than uh, in the past if you've gone through it or done a study through it. We're not trying to figure out every little thing that is really impossible to figure out. Some of these things that we'll study in the book of Revelation, we'll, we'll take a guess at. Many people do. And uh, some of our guesses, even though they're uh, sincere guesses, they could be sincerely wrong, uh, but we'll, we'll know. Uh, some of these things that we're studying right now, and specifically this, this chapter, Revelation chapter 18. If you know Christ as your Savior, we're not going to be here on earth when this takes place. The book of Revelation is divided into, into uh, kind of events that are going to happen. The, the first chapter is a chapter that John writes, and he says, blessed is the one that studies it and understands it and applies it or obeys it. And we want to make sure that we're studying the Word of God, understanding what the book of Revelation says, and then also applying it. What's the application that we can make out of everything that we study? Then the Bible begins to talk about the churches, these seven churches. Those seven churches are the, the same churches that uh, uh, they're, they're actually seven churches that existed during that time, but there's application. And you, you can find every church today would fall in line with one of those seven churches, church of uh, those seven churches, many of those seven churches, the Bible says this, Christ was not happy with them. They've lost their first love. They've, they've gotten involved in things of this world. They've became apathetic. And, and um, there was a command, a, 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 a strict command, get back to your first love. Then we find this, the rapture of the church, and that's an event that's going to take place. Jesus Christ is coming again. We find in the book of 1 Thessalonians, the Bible says the dead in Christ are going to rise, and those that are alive and remain are going to be caught up. That's the rapture of the church. That is going to take place. And once the rapture of the church takes place, Jesus comes for those that have trusted him as their Savior. Then there's the seven-year events that are going to take place. It's called the tribulation, seven-year period. The Antichrist is going to come to power. We've seen this. The Satan is going to fill the Antichrist. He's going to come to power. There's going to be a one-world economy, a one-world government, a one-world uh, religion. And, and uh, through all of those means, the, the Antichrist is going to have power. Something is going to happen. We read uh, several times here in the book of Revelation, something's going to happen with the Antichrist. It's going to appear. He's either going to die or it's going to appear that he's going to be killed and he's going to be brought back to life. We mentioned Satan tries to counterfeit everything that Christ is. Satan tries to counterfeit. When that Antichrist now is brought back into power, people here that are left here on this earth are going to believe because of that great miracle that they see took place, that this must be the one, this must be, the, this must be God. He's going to sit upon the throne there in, in, in the temple in Jerusalem, proclaim himself to be God. The world is going to follow him. As this is happening and taking place the last three and a half years, and that's where we're studying now in the book of Revelation, those last three and a half years, are going to be known as the Great Tribulation. 
God's wrath is going to be poured out upon the earth. Those that have taken the mark of the beast, the mark in the right hand and the forehead, the, the numbers of man, 666. You can't buy, sell, or trade without this mark. Let me, let me uh, as we are reviewing that, let me, let me say this. You can't be tricked into taking that mark. There are people that have said to me often through this study, what about this? What about that? Do you think this is the mark? The mark of the beast does not come until the tribulation period. So don't worry. Don't worry now about, am I going to be tricked into taking this mark? Don't worry when you start seeing those numbers. I've got 666 in my social security number. Am I doomed to, to hell because of that? No, no. I had someone say to me, there was, they found 666 on a $20 bill. What should I do with it? And I said, give them to me if you don't want them. I'll take them. <laughs> I'll spend it happily. It doesn't mean that. It does not mean that. This is not something that, now we see all of this coming to play. But today, Christ has not come for his bride. That means we have a job to do, and the job of the church is to live for the Lord Jesus Christ and proclaim the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. To live for the Lord Jesus Christ and proclaim the gospel. We are the light. We are to be the light of the world. We are the hope that mankind has, and not us in ourselves or the church, it's, it, the, this church in its name, but the body of Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the hope for mankind and our job is to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. We come to Revelation chapter 18. We're in the, we're in the tribulation as we're studying this chapter. We looked last week as this, this woman in the, the scarlet beast, we saw that as the, the, the woman riding this scarlet beast. That, is, that beast is the Antichrist. That woman is, is Babylon or religion. The two come together and they form this alliance and it's a one world government, economic system and one world religion. And through that power is obtained and authority and great might and great wealth. And, and um, we come to chapter number 18. And after these things, verse number one, I saw another angel come down from heaven, having great power and the earth was lightened with his glory. Now, there's something that, as I was studying through this chapter, often we're reading this. John is seeing another angel come down from heaven or this event take place, or he's going back and forth from events that are taking place in heaven and things that are happening here upon this earth. And there's something that I thought as I was studying this past week. You know, God is intricately involved in what's happening, the affairs of mankind. And, and as we see this, this angel from heaven, as we just read in chapter 18, we've read it in 17 and throughout all these events that are taking place in heaven. Don't believe, don't believe that God is just sitting back and letting mankind do whatever mankind wants to do. No, God is involved. Everything is coming into play just like God said it would. It may seem like things are spiraling out of control, but I want you to understand something. Everything is falling right into place. And that'll comfort the heart of the Christian. Even as we're living in a wicked world, we must understand that everything is falling right into place. God is still in control. God is still on his throne. God is in charge of this universe. 
We don't need to worry about this. In chapter number 18, verse number two, and he cried mightily with a strong voice saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils and the hold of every foul spirit and the cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. And the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. Let's, let's pray today. Father in heaven, I pray as we look at this chapter, Lord, I pray you would um, speak to us. Lord, there's maybe people here today that are struggling in their, in their faith, unsure of what the truth is. Spirit of God, I pray today that your spirit would convict them, would reveal truth to them, would encourage them. Lord, I pray they trust you as their Savior and be gloriously saved today. Others, Lord, may be apathetic, maybe just lazy in their walk with you. Maybe they've been hurt and unsure, Lord, what the future holds. I pray today that your spirit would revive them, encourage them, speak to their heart. But Lord, I pray today that you change us. May we not be the same. Lord, I pray that you do a, a work in us that only your spirit can do. And I pray, Lord, that you would just um, bind any demonic influence from this place, any distractions. Lord, we want to hear from heaven today. So, Lord, I pray that you would use me as I preach your word, that you would Lord, just deal with your people, and may we be obedient to you. And we ask you this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Everything we see in this world is fitting into the sockets of biblical prophecy, everything. As we see the events that are unfolding in the Middle East, we're seeing these events fall into the sockets of biblical prophecy. We've been studying, I mentioned this last week and a couple times in previous chapters, this man by the name of Nimrod we find in the book of Genesis. This man by the name of Nimrod, meaning rebel, is the Old Testament type of the Antichrist. He was that one that started this Tower of Babel, this, this, this place of Babel where they said, let's build a tower unto heaven so that we can make a name for ourselves. This was the beginning, the, the cradle of this place called Babylon. Then we read throughout the Bible, we read the, the, the story of, of Babylon coming in and uh, becoming the first world empire and taking into uh, Judah captivity and men like Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. That's during that Babylonian period. And that King Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, the, 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 the man of great wealth, the man of great strength. He builds this image to himself and, and he causes all of the world that he has now conquered to bow to this image. There is always this spirit through Babylon from the beginning with Nimrod, that name meaning rebel to Nebuchadnezzar. And even all through when Babylon is mentioned in the Bible, it's a, it's a defiance of God. It's man's system to try to get what God only deserves. What, what was built out of this first city, Babel or Babylon, has been the beginning of all false religions in this world. Ancient Babylon was, was uh, with Nebuchadnezzar, was known, as, was known as one of the seven wonders of the world. What a beautiful place this was. It was always, Babylon was always, when you read in the Bible, it was always a place of great wealth, of great power, of great authority, 
of, a, of an existence, the way he tried to have an existence that did not need God. It was built upon a man. It was built upon a man by the name of Nimrod. It was built upon a man by the name of Nebuchadnezzar. It's, it's a man trying to have all the authority, all the worship, and all the power that God is owed and deserves. We come to the book of Revelation in chapter number 18. We were reading of this place called Babylon. Babylon has fallen. The leaders of ancient Babylon always wanted world dominance. The leaders of ancient Babylon always wanted world worship. Remember, they build this image and they must bow to it. Remember the law that was passed that you can't pray to any other God. And Daniel prays to his God. He opens up the window and prays toward Jerusalem and praises his God. And he's thrown into the lion's den for praying to God because you can't pray to God. You've got to pray to the king. You've got to pray to this world leader. So ancient, ancient Babylon has always been known for world dominance, world worship, and world wealth. What Babylon would do is Babylon would go and conquer the nations and all the wealth of those nations. When Babylon went into Jerusalem, it took all of the, the, the uh, gold and all of the cups and all of the uh, uh, things that were in the temple that Solomon had and, and the king's treasures and brought them back to Babylon so that Babylon could be seen as the one, the great, the great Babylon. And that's what we read this, this place, this great Babylon. But in chapter number 18, the Bible says this about Babylon, this great Babylon has fallen. Twice it says it's fallen, it's fallen. It's become the habitation of devils. And I want us to look at this chapter number 18 today. We're coming toward the end. We're in our study of the book of Revelation. We're spiraling toward the, 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 um, the battle of Armageddon. And we'll get to that here in our study. But in your mind, I want you to think what's happening. Judgment has been poured out upon the earth. The Antichrist has risen to power. There's great wealth, there's great authority. But now, now God is going to judge Babylon. He's going to judge this city of Babylon. And I want you to see, first of all, in, in verses one through six, I want you to see Babylon is dominated by demons. Look what he says again in verse number uh, one. And after these things, I saw an angel, after, uh, angel come down from, from heaven, having great power. And the earth was lightened with his glory. And he cried mightily with a strong voice, saying, Babylon the great is fallen, is fallen, and has become the habitation of devils. Now, not, not the devil, that, that it's plural, that's devils, or, or maybe you've got a, a, a Bible that says demons, and the, the hold of every foul spirit, and a cage of every unclean and hateful bird. For all the nations have drunk of the wine of the wrath of her fornication, and the kings of the earth have committed fornication with her. And the merchants of the earth are waxed rich through the abundance of her delicacies. And I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. For her sins have reached unto heaven, and God hath remembered her iniquities. I want you to remember the first thing back in, in Genesis chapter number 10 or 11 uh, when we talk about uh, um, the Tower of Babel, the same thing happens. God says, we've got to do something. They, their, their pride and, and, and their arrogance has reached heaven. And God then goes into uh, the Tower of Babel there and confuses their tongues and scatters the people from that one place because they, they wanted to make a name for themselves. 
The same thing is happening here at the end here. We find uh, their sins have reached unto heaven and God hath remembered her iniquities. Again, I want you to remind you something here as we look at God, we look for Christ in the book of Revelation. This is a reminder that sin is going to be paid for. You may look at someone. There may be something in your life that has happened to you. There may be someone in your life that has hurt you. Maybe there's someone in your family, someone in your life that you just feel they're wrong and that seems like they're getting away with it. Maybe there's a spouse that you know they've, they've wronged you and, and, and you just think it, it seems like they've done what they've wanted to do. They've sinned and all they've done is broken this marriage and it just seems like they're going on with their life and everything is working out for them. I want you to see what the Bible here says. They're, they're, God sees all sin. And God one day is going to deal with sin. Listen to me today. If you are here today and you are involved in sin and you think you're getting away with it because you've not yet been caught, you may think you've got this thing covered. You may think that God does not see it and and others don't understand that. I want you to understand something. God sees it. And just because you might not get in trouble for it at the moment, there's a payday that's coming. God judges sin. Bible says it's reached unto heaven and God hath remembered her iniquities. Reward her even as she rewarded you and double unto her, double according to her works in the cup which she hath filled, filled to her double. How much she hath glorified herself and lived delicately, uh, deliciously, so much torment and sorrow give her for she saith in her heart, I sit a queen and am no widow and she'll see no sorrow. Here's Babylon saying this, everything is great. Here's Babylon, they dominated by demons saying that that there is no God and I'm going to do as I want to do. Ancient Babylon is going to rise again. Here we find in chapter number 18, this, this ancient Babylon is going to rise. The seat of the Antichrist will be Babylon. He will, he will, he will come back in the glory and the, and the power of this ancient city of Babylon. But this ancient city of Babylon, their power is going to come from demonic power. I want to remind you, if you were to go back to the book of Daniel, you would find in Daniel chapter 1 and 2, when the king had this great dream, he called magicians and, and, and astronomers and, and soothsayers. What was he doing? All the way back, you find with, with, with those kings in Babylon, they always called for the demonic ones. Their, 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 their power lied within the magicians. Even back in, in ancient Egypt, when, when Moses would come and say that the God of Israel said, let my people go, and, and Moses would do a, uh, uh, something, a miracle from God, he would call his magicians, he would call his astronomers, he would call his, his uh, uh, devil worshipers, and they would come and try to mimic and duplicate that miracle. Babylon, this this world empire is going to be dominated by demons. Satan is going to have full control over the Antichrist in the end of this world. Verse number two tells us that this city will be fully, fully given over to demonic spirits. In verse number three, the Bible says that Babylon is built upon a system of iniquity in this world. Everything wrong, everything sinful is going to, this city is going to be built upon. 
Every lustful thought, every fleshly desire, all the thrills of this world, all the thrills of the flesh is what this city is going to be built upon. This is not going to be built upon righteousness and godliness and justice. This is going to be built upon flesh and fleshly desires and lust. That's what the reign of the Antichrist is going to be. And this is what we see. Even in our world today, we see us spiraling toward this type of system of government. We see it today. We see all around us. Why does it seem like wicked is right and right is wrong? How many of you ever thought that? It just seems like people are losing their minds. It seems like innocence is gone. I, I, I've thought this so often. My daughters will say, Dad, can I go for a walk? And my daughters are all older. And when they want to go for a walk around the block by themselves, I get scared. I'm like looking out the window. I'm watching. I'll say, no, you got to go with your, the, take one of the dogs or take one of your sisters or no, you can't go out by yourself. I remember as a kid, we would go out, we'd get on our bikes, my brother and I, and we would drive or ride our bikes as far as we could. And the only way we knew to come back is because our stomachs told us it was dinner time. And we came back and my mom was like, oh, you were gone? We didn't even know. And now we're afraid to let our kids out of our sight. This world is wicked. It's lost its innocence. This is Babylon. This is what this Babylon system is. And as we get closer to the time of the rapture and the time of the tribulation, we are going to see a tidal wave of sin and demonic oppression in this world. And we're seeing it. I want you to see, secondly, not only is Babylon dominated by demons, I want you to see this, this Babylon, this great Babylon, is defiant in her mor- in morality. Look what the Bible says in verse 7 and 8. How much she hath glorified herself and lived deliciously. So much torment and sorrow give her, for she saith in her heart, I sit a queen, or I am in charge. There is none greater. I am no widow. I have no reason for sorrow. Therefore shall her plague come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire. For strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. Babylon, though, is is defiant in her immorality. Why will the Antichrist be so defiant? I'll tell you why. Because of the enormous wealth that the Antichrist is going to have. As we looked in chapter number 17, all the wealth of, 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 of the religion of this world, all the wealth of the economic system of this world is all, all going to be gathered into one place. This is a physical place. Much of what we read in the book of Revelation is, is symbolic, but there is going to be a system, a, a, a seat, a city, a place where the Antichrist is going to sit and all power is going to come to him. That system of the the mark of the beast that every man is going to take that will buy, sell, and trade, there's going to be a piece of that profit, financial profit, that's going to go back to the Babylon, the Antichrist system of government, and he's going to financially benefit from every transaction that takes place. He has enormous wealth. 
He's going to have enormous power. He is going to be able to, to rule the kingdoms of this world. All the kings, the Bible says they've, they've fornicated themselves or they've given themselves over to this Antichrist. They've sold their soul to the Antichrist. Whatever he wants, they'll do this great power that when he's got enormous wealth and enormous power, he's going to seem to be invincible. And because of this, he's going to be defiant. We're seeing the same thing in our world today. It seems like those in great power are defiant. They're involved in such horrible, wicked sin, but they're defiant, continuing to, to, to thumb their nose at God. But I want you to understand something, just like it says in verse number eight, for strong is the Lord God who judgeth her. They will not get away with sin. I said every politician in Washington today, you think... You're getting away with it. God is going to judge your sin. It doesn't matter how much wealth you accumulate, how much power you accumulate. You are not invincible. One day, judgment is going to come. We find it in chapter number 18. So Babylon is dominated by demons. And because of that domination... They're always looking to do wrong. Filled with the, the, the demons of hell. And because of that, Babylon is going to be defiant in her immorality. Do you know how to notice how Satan is getting bolder in these last days? We see it in so many areas. We see it with rebellion. We see it with anger. We see it with this... this this, this spirit, this fighting spirit. Church, we need to be careful that we not allow that into our heart. I'm seeing it though. We're seeing it in, in marriages. We're seeing it in relationships. We're seeing it in our, in our hearts. And we need to guard ourselves against that. That is not the way of a Christian. We ought to have the mind of Christ, the fruit of the spirit. And it is totally opposite than the spirit of de demons. In verse number eight, the Bible tells us this, that no matter how defiant Babylon seems to be, they cannot escape the judgment of God. You mark this down, Satan is sailing, but Satan is sailing a, a sinking ship. And the reason why is because sin cannot win and faith cannot fail. Today, today, as we look at chapter number 18, I want to encourage you with this. Sin cannot win and faith cannot fail. It cannot. Number three, I want you to see this. I'm moving right along here. Number three, Babylon is destined for destruction. Look what the Bible says in verse number eight. Therefore shall her plague come in one day, death and mourning and famine, and she shall be utterly burned with fire and strong as the Lord God who judgeth her and the kings of earth who have committed fornication and lived deliciously with her shall bewail her and lament for her when they shall see the smoke of her burning standing afar off from the fear of her torment saying alas, alas, that great city Babylon, that mighty city for in one hour is thy judgment come. They're seeing the wrath of God poured out. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her. For no man buyeth their merchants, merchandise anymore. I want you to see, thirdly, Babylon is destined for destruction. 
Babylon is going to be devastated. It's going to be destroyed. God is going to pour his wrath out during this time of tribulation. His wrath is going to be poured out. And I want you to see this. His wrath is going to be poured out immediately. In verse number eight, the Bible says one day. In verse number 10, it describes it as this, one hour. For in one hour is thy judgment come. The wrath that God pours out, this is going to be an immediate wrath. Now, all through the, the uh, seven years we're going to see that we've seen, God's going to pour his wrath out upon the earth. But when he deals specifically with Babylon, when he deals specifically with this economic power, this one world power, this city, when he deals with Babylon and all that Babylon, he's going to send his judgment all the way back from the Tower of Babel to, to Nimrod, to, to Nebuchadnezzar, to that spirit of Babylon that we read of throughout the Bible, to the very last time we see it here in the New Testament. We're going to see that God is once and for all, he's going to deal with this spirit. He's going to deal with this, this anti-God exalting mankind, worship of mankind, mankind wanting what belongs to God. God is going to deal with it. The Bible says he's going to deal with it immediately, in one day, in one hour. The second thing I want you to see that God is going to do, he's going to deal with it violently. In verse number nine, the kings of the earth who have committed fornication, they're going to see this and bewail for her, lament for her. They're going to see the smoke of her burning. In, in verse number 21, look what the Bible says in the same chapter. Verse number 20, and a, might, and a mighty angel took up a stone like a great millstone and cast it into the sea, saying, Thus will violence, uh, with violence shall that great city Babylon be thrown down and shall be found no more at all. When God deals with Babylon, it's going to be like a, a nuclear explosion. It's going to be a bomb dropping on the city and totally devastating the city. Babylon is destined for destruction. It will fail. Fourthly, I want you to see this. Babylon is, is depressing in her barrenness. Look what we find in verse number 11. The Bible says this, and the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchants anymore. The merchants of gold and silver and precious stone and of pearls and of fine linen and purple and silk and scarlet and all thy wood and all thy manner of vessels of ivory and all the manners of vessels of most precious wood and of brass and iron and marble and cinnamon and odors and ointments and frankincense and wine. And, and what, what is he simply saying? Everything that mankind lives for. All that mankind wanted. See, in this, in this Babylon, they're, 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 they're taking all the precious things of this earth for themselves. They're, they're, they're buying and they're selling and they're trading. And Babylon has made them great. Great is the economy and great is the resources. And, and how wonderful this is. We're, we're living the best life. And then one day the Bible says it's all gone. And the fruits of thy soul lusted after are departed from thee, and all things which were dainty and goodly are departed from thee, and thou shalt find them no more at all. The merchants of these things which were made rich by her shall stand afar off for the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing. They're watching this city burn and saying, alas, alas, that great city that was clothed in fine linen and purple and scarlet and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, for in one hour so great riches is come to naught. And every shipmaster and all the company and ships and sailors, as many as trade by sea, stood afar off. Well, meaning what? They're, they're, the, the ships are, are 
anchored into the, in the seas. There's no reason for them. You, you want to talk about a, a, a no more trade, a total lockdown of all trade. Everything just shuts down in one moment. You say, how could that happen? We've seen it in our lifetime. We saw it in 2020. A, 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 a virus, a disease hits the world and shuts everything down. Remember, remember we were watching ships sitting out in the middle of the water with all of the goods on their ship. They can't come to shore because there was no one to take off the, their, their goods. So when we read chapter number 18, when we see these events taking place, the reality is we're seeing a look of what that's going to be like. They're going to go to the stores and there's not going to be anything on the stores. It's, it's, it's almost like the way we've been living here in America. We, we just, everything is in abundance. You, you know what it's like when you go and your favorite thing is out of stock. You know how upset you get. I've got to use this toothpaste. I like this toothpaste. Now, there's a thousand different toothpaste, but the one you want, and you're mad. You're going to go when there's going to be nothing in stock. All trade is going to be gone. They're going to watch the torment. They're going to watch God deal with this city in one day. This city that has proclaimed that they are God. This one that sits in the temple and says, I'm God. You can trust me. All the world has fallen for this. They've taken the mark. They, they followed after this man. They've, they've gotten rich off of this man. And now they come to the place where they realize it's all gone. It's gone. Babylon is going to be wealthy beyond words. Wealth it will flow into the hands of the Antichrist. Religious wealth and economic wealth is global wealth. There's going to be great trade. But this great trade is going to be in iniquity and in sin. And God's going to have enough of it. It's going to come to heaven and God's going to say, all right, enough is enough. And in that moment, in that hour, in one day, it's all gone. In the end, all the kings and of this world are going to weep because all of the resources that they've put into this one Babylon is gone because of the judgment of God. The world is going to go into panic. Look with me in verse number 17 and 18. The Bible shows us here, for in one hour so great riches is come to naught and every shipmaster and all the company and ships and sailors, as many as trade by sea, stood afar off and cried when they saw the smoke of her burning, saying, what city is like unto this great city? World trade is going to end. Ships are going to sit in the middle of the waters. And what mankind has given themselves over, have fornicated with, is going to be gone. What do we do with this concerning Babylon? Because the reality is this, those of us that know Christ as our Savior, we can sit here and say, well, this is not going to be our problem. We're going to be in heaven. And the reality is you're right. Praise God. 
But church, that spirit of Babylon, that spirit of Antichrist, it is engulfing our world today. It's all around us. It, 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 is, it is sickening to see. And what, does, what, what warning do we have as the church today out of, out of uh, uh, Revelation 18? I'm glad you asked me before we ended here today. Look with me if you would, and please, number four, the Bible says, uh, verse four, and I heard another voice from heaven saying this, come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins, and that ye receive not of her plagues. This is a warning here to the church today. What is he saying? He's not saying separation of church and state like we hear so often. What is he saying? Separation of church and world. The church has gotten so close to the world in some cases, you can't tell them apart. We're serving the same things, the same desires that ancient Babylon desires. A church is not to make a name for themselves. A church is to make a name for the Lord Jesus Christ. A church is not for us to consume the things of this world and just sit back and enjoy the riches of this world, the pleasures of this world. No, if God has blessed you, he's blessed you so that you would use those resources to reach the world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. God, help us not to get consumed with the Desires of Babylon, the spirit of Babylon. God, help our families not to get consumed with the spirit of Babylon. Oh, listen to me, it's so easy. It comes in so easy. I don't believe that for the most part, there's people within the body of Christ that are saying, how can I become fleshly today? How can I become worldly today? How can I exalt myself today? No, it's just a spirit that's amongst us. And if we're not careful, it creeps in. And it, it creeps in before we even realize it. And by the time we realize it, it's too late. I'm going to ask every single husband and wife here today, what is your family living for? What are you living for? What, what are you living for? Then I ask you this, what is your conversations about? Because where your, where your finances are, where your conversation are, is really truly where your heart is. What are you living for today? Oh, we will have families, they'll talk about all kinds of things. When's the last time that you made a commitment as a family to Lord Jesus Christ that you're going to do something by faith, that you're going to do something by God's power, you're going to be led by the Spirit of God? When's the last time, husbands, you challenged your wife in the ways of the Lord, you challenged your wife to live a, a godly wife? When's the last time, wife, you encouraged your husband and you challenged your husband to walk in the Spirit of God and live by the Spirit of God? Oh, we can fight and we can argue and we can worry about things that are going to one day all burn. Husbands, when's the last time you bowed in prayer with your wife? And I'm not talking about over your spaghetti dinner. I'm talking about fervently prayed, fervently went to God and fervently begged God. When's the last time you saw God do something big in your life because you by faith believed he could? 
Come out from her, he says. Separate from the spirit of Babylon. Now, I know what we would say. No, we, we, don't, want, we, don't, want to, uh, we don't want to live for the world. What are you watching? What's influencing your children? I've told you this many times before. I, I thought my wife was nuts. She wouldn't let our kids watch Caillou. Caillou, Caillou's a cute little cartoon. And she said that I, Jacob was young. How many of you know what Caillou is? You sinners. Look at that man. Where's Michelle? Where's Michelle? Kidding. I, 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 you know, the best way dads babysit your kids, turn the TV on. Yeah. Let's watch. I mean, Michelle came in one day and said, what are you watching? I said, we're watching Caillou. It's a cartoon. She says, we don't watch Caillou in this house. I said, we don't, we, but we are. She said, we don't watch it. I said, why, why don't we watch it? Inform me why. She said, because little Caillou is, he's always talking back to his mom. And, he's, he, and, and she just went on a rant about Caillou. I felt bad for Caillou. I said, I'll be honest with you, in my heart, I thought, I think she's making a big deal about this. I really did. I thought, what's next, Charlie Brown? I mean, what? I thought she was making a big deal about it. But I'll tell you this. I'm so glad that I had a wife that made a big deal about it. Because you know what one thing we didn't put up with? Kids talking back to mom. Kids defiant. What's raising your kids? L listen to me. If you believe, if you believe that you can just hope for raising godly kids and it's just gonna magically happen, you're fooling yourself. You don't raise godly kids on accident. And lazy parents don't raise godly kids. It takes hard work. It takes a desire to keep them away from the world. And parents, listen to me, there's parents that you are letting your kids, their friendships, their desires, every emotion they have, it's caught up in the things of this world. And you're gonna wonder why one day they walked away from God. The Bible says, come out from amongst them. Don't get the influence of Babylon. Your family is the most important thing in your life. Your, your marriage is the most important thing in your life. Raising godly children ought to be the most important thing in your life. Come out from Babylon. Secondly, I want you to see this. Come out of from her. Thirdly, don't envy her. Don't envy her. In verse number 14, in the fruits that they, they, they so lusted after are departed from thee. And all things which were dainty and goodly are departed from thee. It's all gone. Stop lusting and envying after what's going to one day be gone. 
We must stop desiring what the world offers. Teach your kids. Make it a priority in your family that your time, your talent, everything that God has given you, you are going to use it to further the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Thirdly, would you mark this down? And I'm done. Concerning Babylon. Thirdly, verse number 20, rejoice over her, thou heaven, and ye holy apostles and prophets, for God hath avenged you on her. Thirdly, concerning Babylon, number one, come out of her. Number two, don't envy her. Number three, rejoice over her defeat. Why? Verse number eight, the Bible says, because strong is the Lord. Listen, we have victory. We have victory. Tonight, there's a big game on. How many of you knew that? This is the problem. At the end of it, somebody's going to be excited and somebody's not. Somebody's going to win, somebody's going to lose. We don't approach it that way. You know how we approach things? We rejoice because strong is our Lord. Strong is our Lord. He is mighty. He is conquering. He is, he is, he wins. So as we see the demise of this world, as we see Babylon coming to power, as we see that influence infiltrating our world, we are victorious because Jesus Christ has won. You know, we ought to every day live like Jesus Christ has defeated death and hell and the devils of this world. You know why? Because he has. Our Savior has won. You just finished listening to a message from the preaching ministry at Monclova Road Baptist Church. If it was a help to you, make sure that you let somebody know about it. If you need help beyond this message, make sure that you follow us on Instagram or Facebook or check out our website, monclovabaptist.org. And we would love to connect with you there and help you with anything that you might need. Have a great week and we'll see you next time on the Monclova Baptist Church Podcast.